Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I continue to talk on Shobo Genzo Zenki, or total function. Uh, this morning I start uh, paragraph six. <clears throat> this is a last paragraph. So let me read uh, this paragraph, a little long. <clears throat> Zen master Yuan Wu Kekin, or Engo Kokugong, said, Life is manifestation of the total function. Death is manifestation of the total function. We should clarify and study this utterance. What we should study is the principle of life is manifestation of total function, has no beginning and no end, and permeate the entire great earth and the entire space. However, it does not hinder neither life is manifestation of total function, nor death is manifestation of total function. At the time of death is manifestation of total function, although it permeates the uh, entire great earth and the entire space, it does not hinder either death is manifestation of total function or life is manifestation of total function. Therefore, life does not hinder death. Death does not hinder life. The great, the entire great earth and the entire space appear in life and also appear in death. However, it is not that one piece of entire great earth and one piece of entire space carry out the total function within life and also carry out the total function within death. It is neither one nor different, neither different nor identical, neither identical nor multiple. Therefore, within life, there are all dharmas of manifestation, of total function. Within death, there are all dharmas of manifestation of total function. Within neither life nor death, there is manifestation of total function. Within the total function, there are life and death. For this reason, the total function of life and death is like a vigorous young man bending and stretching his arm, or is like a person asleep in the night searching with his hands behind, behind his back for the pillow. These manifestations themselves within limitlessly abundant divine power and radiant light. At the very moment of manifestation, 
because it is totally functioned by manifestation, we view and understand that there is no manifestation prior to the manifestation. However, prior to this manifestation, previous manifestation of total function was there. Although the previous manifestation of total function was there, it was not hinder the present manifestation of total function. Therefore, such views and understandings vigorously manifest one after another. Twenty-second chapter of Shobo Genzo Zenki, or Total Function, taught to the assembly at the residence of the former uh, governor of Izumo province, next to Rokuhara Mitsuji Temple, on the 17th day, 12th month, third year of Ninji era, that is 1242, and this manuscript was copied on the 19th day, first month, fourth year of the same era, uh, 1243, by Ejo. Hopefully, I can finish this uh, Zenki this morning, but this is kind of difficult to explain. I hope you understand what he's saying. This is kind of a typical Dogen's writing. Anyway, in the beginning of this paragraph, he quote the saying or the comment by Engo Kokugon uh, about the koan of a uh, question of being whether alive or dead. And I talked uh, extensively about this koan and Engo's uh, comment in the beginning of this uh, Genzoe, so I don't think I need to repeat. So Dogen quote his saying, that is, life is manifestation of total, the total function. This is manifestation of the total function. <coughs> so this is about uh, you know, Zengen and his Dharma brother, a sexual discussion about their teacher, uh, Dogo's life and death. And Ungo comment uh, in Dogo's life and in his death, both uh, his life and his death is total function of uh, you know this network of interdependent origination. <coughs> and uh, he said this is important statement, so we should clarify and study this utterance, this statement. <coughs> And what we have to study from this sentence, this uh, statement is the principle of life is manifestation of total function. That is, so ya zen ki gen. 
and uh, he repeat about the C and uh, exactly the same. And show is life, and then key is total function, and gain is uh, manifestation. So, Dogo's life is manifestation of total function, and his death is also manifestation of total function. And the principle of life is manifestation <coughs> has no beginning and no end. That means this principle is not conditioned or restricted within time. So there is no beginning and no end. That means this is always true. That means not only Dogo, Dogo's life and death, but every one of us, when we are alive, our life is total manifestation of total function. And our death, or even after our death, uh, is total function. That is the principle. And permeate the entire great us and entire space. So uh, there's no restriction in terms of time and also in terms of space. This principle is uh, both within time and within space, uh, never, uh, how can I say, restricted or limited. That means this is always true. However, he said, however. He always says, however, <laughs> or and yet. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean this principle, life is manifestation of total function, does not hinder, neither life is manifestation of the total function, nor death is manifestation of total function. That means this, this principle does not hinder the same itself. And also it does not hinder about the death. Death is manifestation of total function. This is kind of a strange thing. You know, this does not hinder itself. And this does not hinder the, uh, about death. Death is total function. Uh, this, is my un this is my understanding, so don't believe. Uh, I'm, I'm still in the process of studying Dogen, so what I'm talking is kind of a report of uh, my process of understanding. So uh, this is not the final uh, conclusion. You know, next year I may say completely different thing. So, but don't, don't brave, don't brave me. This is my understanding at this moment. Uh, my understanding of this uh, statement and next one, next one is the same thing. He talks about Shia Zenkigen, about this, and this um, principle does not hinder this about life and about also the death itself. So these two are basically uh, saying the same thing. 
you know, I have been uh, using this drawing about the uh, network of interdependent origination. This is uh, Indrasnet, and each being are not of this net, and not only in the space, but also in the time. Throughout the time, I, you know, this uh, is connected not only within space at this moment but also, you know, within time. This and this is, you know, connected as a cause and result. And this and other things within this moment in a space is connected as a, a conditions. So uh, this is a kind of, a, in my understanding, a structure of total function. All within this structure, everything working, supporting together, and also moving and changing. So when we see, you know, this time, we see things are changing. That means impermanence. And there's no such fixed uh, thing or self that has no change. That is, uh, you know, one of the most important teaching of Shakyamuni Buddha, no self or anatoman. So there's no fixed substantial beings, but everything is connected with everything and, and a collection of all different elements. So other things are changing, each of them have to change. That is fat, uh, impermanence and no self or egolessness or anatoman means. And that is what uh, interdependent origination means in uh, Mahayana Buddhist teaching. This, so this is the kind of basic structure of his Dogen is discussing about life and our life and this as a total function or manifestation of total function. And within this structure, you know, in the case of the Kohan story, you know, Dogo was a teacher. Dogo, Dogo, when Dogo was alive, his life is connected with this entire network. Therefore, as I already said many times, this entirety of network is his life. That is what, uh, you know, in Dogo's life, uh, his life uh, was a manifestation of total function. And when he is dead, <coughs> his death or even when he is not uh, uh, existing anymore as a, a physical body or as a five scandals, still uh, his death is a manifestation of total function. That is what, you know, uh, this life is a manifestation of total function does not hinder uh, that this is 
manifestation of to total function. But he uh, says another thing, life is manifestation of total function doesn't hinder the life is manifestation of total function. I think that means, you know, Dogo, when Dogo was alive, there are many other people and many other beings. You know, now uh, we are living together about four billion or five, I'm not sure the exact number, but four or five billions of human beings are living together on this planet. And each one of us are living within this network. So my life is a manifestation of total function, and your uh, life is a manifestation of total function, and other people's life is a uh, manifestation of total function. You know, for each and every one of us, life is a manifestation of total function. So, uh, Dogo's life and life is manifestation of total function. I don't. This is too long to me. <laughs> Say into English. In English, in Japanese, it much shorter to me. You know, life is zenki gen. <laughs> anyway, so Dogo's life is manifestation of total function. Does not disturb or hinder other people's manifestation of total function. That means, uh, you know, as Uchiamuro said, we are, when we are born, uh, our, the world I am living is born together with me. And we are living together with this entire world. And when we die, uh, the world uh, I'm living. My world also uh, died together with me. So uh, this is in the case of well, Dogo. We don't know who Dogo is really. So let me uh, talk about my teacher, Uchiyamaroshi. When Uchiyamaroshi was alive, uh, this is his world. And within his world, I was uh, part of his world as his disciple. And uh, within my world, uh, which was born with my birth, uh, Uchamuro was part of my world as my teacher. And these two worlds are not hinder each other. So within his world, I was there as a student. And within my world, uh, Uchamurosh was there as my teacher. But I really don't really, I, could, I couldn't see uh, myself as the part of his, his world. And uh, when Uchamurosh passed away, his entire world passed away together. That means uh, me, Shohaku, as his disciple is died. And yet, within my life, within my life, he is still alive as my teacher. 
So I, I didn't really see, or I couldn't see, who is Shohaku within uh, Uchiyamuroshi's world as, a, as his disciple. And Uchiyamuroshi didn't know uh, uh, who he was in my world as my teacher. These two are two different worlds. And yet the, these two different worlds permeate each other. So we think, as a, a thinking, we think we are living together within this one world. I am, he was teacher, I am a student. But actually, these, my world and his world are completely different world. And we cannot see, I cannot see his world in which he was the center of the world. And he couldn't see my world in which I am the center of the world. But these two uh, completely different worlds is completely permeating together. So these two are not really two, and yet not really one. That is a kind of a strange thing to say, but I think that is how we are living together with other people. You know, even we are, uh, you know, close friend, and we, we think, I know everyone about this person, but still, we are not sure how this person thinks about me, and, pull up, and that person cannot really know how I'm thinking about that person. There's no way to make sure our understanding is exactly the same. But as a convention, we, we by hearing the person's uh, statement or opinion about me, and by uh, speaking or expressing my uh, understanding and uh, uh, emotion to that person, we feel we share the same thing. And, and that is how we live together with other people, not only f between friends, but between uh, parents and children, or teacher and student. We are completely independent, and yet we are living together. You know, Uchamaroshi was part of my world, and I was part of his world. But these worlds are, you know, there's no way to make sure these worlds are really the same or not. But, you know, my world and his world doesn't hinder each other. That's why we think we are living together with one world. Does it make sense? So that is my understanding, you know, uh, life is a manifestation of total function, does not hinder other people's life is manifestation of total function. And uh, about life and death, as I said, you know, this manifestation and this manifestation doesn't hinder. Uh, so he repeated about life and death together, and then he said, therefore, Life does not hinder death, and death does not hinder life. So 
life and death does not hinder each other, means life and death are not, uh, what is the word, uh, dualistic or dichotomy. When uh, this is about, uh, you know, Dogen's description about time, as I said yesterday, when firewood is staying the Dharma position of firewood, firewood is 100% firewood. And when firewood is burned and become ash, ash is 100% ash. Firewood and ash never meet each other. And before firewood become firewood, this is, was used to be a tree, a uh, living tree. This uh, actual uh, living tree and firewood never meet each other, you know, within this uh, time. That means when we are alive, we are 100% alive. And when we are dead, we are 100% dead. No matter how sick we are, or no matter how old we are, or even we are in the, uh, what we call, coma, or the near-death experience, while we are alive, we are 100% alive. There's no death at all. But when we are dead, there's no life at all. Life and death are to uh, never meet each other. So, uh, you know, life and death is not uh, dualistic, not dichotomies. In, within reality, when we are alive, only life. When we are dead, only dead. And yet, when we think about life and death as a concept, then these two become dichotomy. You know, life is a negation of death. Death is a negation of life. When we are alive, uh, there's no such thing death called death, and when we are dead, there's no such thing, such thing called life. Therefore, life and death are opposite. And, uh, you know, confront each other. And we think life is one thing, and death is a negation of this thing. So in our mind, or thinking, life and death become dichotomy. And I think life is good, this is not so good. I don't like this, I like life. And we cling to uh, life. And we hate and afraid death. That is, uh, that kind of idea is production of our mind. It's not reality. And so, uh, in Shobogenzo Shoji, uh, Dogen then said, this, uh, you know, life and death together, as a process of this total function, that life and death is not as two opposite things, but life and death together uh, makes life. That means, he said, Buddha's life. The expression he used is, uh, shoji, shoanji, life and death is uh, hot, he, what he said in Japanese is hotoke no on inochi. 
Hotoke is Buddha, and uh, No is Ob, and uh, Inochi means life. And On, On is a kind of a difficult word to explain. On and this same character is also uh, pronounced as O or Go. And when uh, uh, in Japanese we can put this on, on or O or Go to put almost anything. You know, and this makes uh, this word uh, after uh, Go or on or o, uh, something precious. So this is a uh, way to say, to mention something with uh, uh, respect and pride. For example, you know, uh, rice is kome in Japanese, but we usually call this as okome. And Dogen wrote, not a chapter of Shobogenzo, but Dogen wrote, uh, we should call, uh, you know, rice, not kome, but we should call rice as okome, means uh, venerable or respectable rice. Or we, we also say omizu, mizu is water, but we almost always say omizu. Or, uh, you know, we can put o, o or on or go, almost everything. So Dogen put uh, this o or on in front of inochi, on inochi, means uh, precious, respectable, venerable life. So our life and death, that is uh, sansara. So as a original Buddhist expression, life and death is very negative thing. That is transmigration within sansara. But Dogen uh, kind of turn it around and make it almost opposite. Said this life and death, in which of course we experience, you know, a pain, sadness, and sometimes happiness. Sometimes, you know, we are very glad, but uh, not always. So our life is always have always, you know, up and down. That is what sansara means, and there's no no condition last forever. That is what transmigration means, and that is our life. And in kind of a common understanding of Buddhist Buddha's teaching we should leave or escape from that condition of life. And we think that is nirvana. So basic teaching of Buddhism is we should escape from sansara and enter nirvana. But I often said within this Genzoe that is not uh, actual real teaching of Mahayana. That is we need to stay in, within sansara to practice as a bodhisattva. That means to live together with all beings. We cannot leave this world of patience. And I also said uh, one of the three uh, types of 
uh, nirvana, you know, this bodhisattva way of practice, staying in samsara without, uh, without desire to enter nirvana, just working within this samsara with people, that is one uh, type of nirvana that is called muju shonehan, or nirvana uh, without uh, or with no abiding. And that is what Dogen is saying by saying, by using expression, life and death. Sansara is, our life and death within Sansara is a precious life of Buddha. Beside this life we are living within this world, uh, there's no such thing called Buddha's life. So Dogen's teaching is very kind of positive. Our practice is not a method or a means or a way to escape from suffering or samsara. Our practice is not a path to reach nirvana, but we are, nirvana is already here. We are already in the goal. And yet, unfortunately, sansara is still here. So our life is both sansara and nirvana. These two are not two separate things. They are penetrate completely. So we need to experience both sansara and nirvana. And it is possible to experience nirvana within sansara. That is Mahayana Buddhist teaching. And that is our vow to find nirvana or to make samsara into nirvana. Anyway, that is what Dogen said. But <coughs> so in the reality, life and death never meet each other because life and death is actually one thing. It's, these are not two separate things. That means both are uh, uh, total function. That is my understanding of what he's saying. Therefore, life does not hinder death, because life and death are one. And death does not hinder life. Life and death are one thing. And life and death, as samsara and nirvana, are also one, not, not two separate things. So the entire great earth, this, uh, this entire space, and the entire <coughs> uh, space in life, and also uh, the uh, entire great earth and the entire space appear in life and also appear in death. So life and death are always together with this entirety of time and space. Uh, but next he said something strange, something different. <coughs> uh, again he said, however, however, it is not that one piece of entire great earth and one piece of entire space carry out the total function within life and also carry out the total function within death. That, 
that means, this is my understanding again, to make sure. <coughs> you know, I have been using this kind of drawing to show the total function, the structure of total function as a network of interdependent origination or Indra's net. And I always you know, draw this circle and in order to show uh, the entirety of time, I always draw this, uh, what they call oval. This circle and oval is the problem. <laughs> you know, this circle or oval shows the boundary. And problem is there's no such boundary. So we have to erase, you know, this circle and this oval. That means there's no such net. It's really just a connection or relation of each beings without any boundary. So uh, we have to erase these boundaries. That means if there is a boundary, we think, you know, uh, within this boundary, you know, life and this are happening, someone's life and someone this, or my life in the, uh, this moment and my this in the future. These are kind of a two separate stages. And within this, uh, within this totality, things are happening. But when we fix you know, this space and time in this way, then that is illusion. In order to make it uh, easy to understand, I always draw the circle and over. But this is a problem. So we have to erase them. So we cannot say it is, uh, next sentence is, it is neither one nor different, neither different nor identical, neither identical nor multiple. That means we cannot say anything about this. Whatever we say, is this one or two or three or many or multiple or identical, Whatever word we use is uh, false speech. You know, this is kind of a beyond language, beyond concept, beyond judgment. That is why, you know, this is called uh, myoho. Myoho. Uh, Myoho is a translation of Sanskrit word Saddharma. Another translation of Saddharma is Shobo. Means true Dharma. So Shobo in Shobo Genzo is a translation of Saddharma. And uh, 
Shobo and Myoho in Myoho Renge Kyo, or uh, that is the name of the Lotus Sutra, uh, Saddharma Pundarika Sutra. This Saddharma is translated as Myoho, and the same word is translated as uh, Shobo. Anyway, this Myoho means this, this Chinese character Myo is a kind of interesting uh, word. You know, this, uh, this has two sides, and this side uh, means woman, and this side means young. So Myo has two uh, parts, and young, that means young woman. And young woman is beautiful. So this Myo means beautiful or excellent. But another meaning is wondrous. You know, young woman, at least to me, <laughs> is not understandable. <laughs> they are always changing. So beautiful and yet beyond our understanding is what this Myo means. So I translate this Myoho as wondrous dharma. That means beyond our understanding, beyond the reach of our uh, conceptual uh, discriminating thinking. So finally, Fat Dogen says we, says we should stop using words in order to really see and experience this reality. There's no way to exactly express or explain this reality. If we say this, one, this is one, that is wrong. If we say this is two or more, this is also wrong. If we say you know, this life and this is the same, that is not true. So all, all possibility of uh, naming or definition uh, is finally you know, negated. That means uh, we have to shut our mouth and just sit facing the wall. Then we are uh, you know, immediately within this reality. But whenever we start to think and talk, then uh, we are making a boundary and making definition and making difference. And when we make difference, that means separate into two sides and try to say these two are one. Like a form is emptiness and emptiness is form. We try to fix you know, the separation by saying form is emptiness and emptiness is form. But when we are saying such a thing, there are still separation, and we are trying to fix it. But once it's separated into two sides, then there's no way to become uh, restore oneness again, because it is happening within our mind. So only thing we can do is stop thinking, or letting go of thought, and just sit down, and place our entire body and mind on the cushion. On the cushion means on the ground of this 
reality or total function. That is all we can do. But we cannot sit 24 hours a day or seven days a week. So we have to think, we have to make separation or we live within this you know, uh, world of thinking or conventions when we live together with other people. So there are two realities. One reality is reality cannot be reached by the language. But uh, as a human beings, we cannot live without language, without thinking, without discrimination. This is another reality. How can these two sides uh, be integrated within our life? That is another very important or almost essential point of our life as a human beings. And uh, uh, for example, Nagarjuna called this reality beyond thinking as an ultimate truth. And this conventional uh, world in which we are thinking and discriminating, he called this a uh, conventional truth or a relative truth. And uh, the relation between these two truths is the, one of the very important point of Mahayana teaching. You know, if, if these two are two separate things, then our life is kind of a, how can I say, tiered into two parts. One is real reality beyond the thinking, and another side is we need to think and make distinction and making choice. How can we accept these two sides as one life? That is the point of almost all Mahayana teachings, uh, including Zen tradition. So what uh, Dogen is saying in this sentence, it is neither one nor different, neither different nor identical, neither identical for multiple, <coughs> is very similar, almost same to me, as Fat Nagarjuna wrote in the very beginning, as the introduction of his uh, most important writing called Majamika Karika. In that uh, introduction, he wrote a verse to express his veneration and uh, taking refuge to the Buddha, or a kind of dedication. What Nagarjuna said is, I pay homage to the free awakened one, that means Buddha, the supreme teacher who has taught the doctrine of relational origination. This relational origination is another translation of interdependent origination. Same thing. So that was what Buddha taught. The blissful, the blissful session of all phenomenal thought constructions. All phenomenal thought constructions. This phenomenal thought construct, uh, construction in Chinese is, uh, could you erase? Ke long. 
K means kind of a playing. And alone is discussion. Or sometimes this is translated as a, translated as a, uh, what is a translation? <coughs> Idle discussion. That means it doesn't mean anything. That means it is not uh, the reality itself. And Sanskrit word for this kelon is prapancha. Prapancha is, you know, our, within our mind, the concept and wording are idling. It has nothing to do with real reality. That is called prapancha or idle discussion or in this translation, phenomenal thought construction. This is simply uh, fiction. So, therein, therein mean within this uh, interdependent origination, within, therein, every event, everything, is marked by non-origination, non-extinction, non-destruction, non-permanence, non-identity, non-differentiation, non-coming into being, and non-going out of being. So there are uh, four pairs, and uh, each of each dichotomies are both negated. That means there's no way to name or point out this true reality. It's always moving and changing without any fixed ident uh, fixed or uh, uh, what is that word? independent entity is not there, but it's always moving and changing. There's no way to uh, exactly express and explain uh, this reality using words and concept and logic. Uh, and then Dogen says, therefore, because word or language doesn't work, we have to uh, just practice and just live and just do, you know, we, without thinking. But when we see in that way, that means if we negate thinking and discard uh, speaking and logic and words, there's no way we can live. So somehow these two sides, that means, uh, real reality and fictitious reality we create using words and letters should be putting together or integrated within our life, within our practice. Uh, that means we have to use language. That is what Dogen is doing now. He's writing and trying to express this total reality. And yet, he said, it's not possible. 
you know, this is, uh, I think this is the same thing with what Nagarjuna did. But Nagar, in the case of Nagar, Nagarjuna's writing, it's very logical. But in the case of Dogen, it's not so logical, but it's more like poetic or more visual. And the difference to me, the difference between Nagarjuna and Dogen is when we study Nagarjuna, uh, it's difficult, but when we understand, you know, and I agree with it, but by only reading Nagarjuna, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's very logical and philosophical, but he doesn't tell uh, what we should do. But in the case of Dogen, he, maybe in the, in the time of Nagarjuna, because of his actual example of his way of life, people could see, but it, it was not written. But in the case of Dogen, because he wrote about what we should do, that means just sit and doing things in our daily lives as practice. Somehow, uh, when we stud I studied Dogen, uh, basically what Dogen is saying is the same as Nagarjuna, but he also taught, teach us what we should do, how we could live based on this kind of uh, integration of two truths. So I really appreciate Dogen's teaching. Anyway, he continued, therefore, within life, there are all dharmas of manifestation of total function, and within death, there are all dharmas of manifestation of total, total function. That means whether, whether we are alive or we are dead, you know, this total function this uh, totality of interdependent origination is ourself. So within neither life nor death, there is manifestation of total function. I don't understand what this means. Is there anything be besides life and death? Is there something between life and death? I'm not sure. Uh, but this is a kind of Dogen's, not a logic, but a re rhetoric. That means he sometimes said, uh, within and without entire universe. You know, is there something outside this entire universe? No, but, but he said, this is his expression. <laughs> Within and with, if there is something outside of this entire universe, then it should be included. <laughs> but it's a different kind of logic with ours. I think this is the same. If their life is total function and this is total function, if there's something which is neither life nor death, that is also total function. <laughs> Whether there's such a thing or not is not a real uh, question. If you know if there's something beyond, be, be, uh, uh, be, how can I say, 
beside life and death, then you can uh, think about it and discuss about it. But in my <laughs> understanding, there's no such things. So only life and death is enough. And within the total function, there are life and death. So life and death and other people's life and this person's life or death are all uh, uh, interconnected. And as I said, interconnected or interdependent means there's some in independence and also uh, dependence. So we can say from both sides, there are two, there are independence and there are dependence, but all together, they are all interdependent. And the next sentence, for this reason, the total function of life and death is like a vigorous young man bending and stretching his arm like this, or is like a person asleep in the night searching with his hand behind his back for the pillow. This is the expression used in the Koan story about Avalokiteshvara. Uh, you know, thousand hand and, hand and eyes. Let me talk about this uh, arm first. This expression is like a young man's young strong man's uh, stretching and bending the arm uh, appeared in the uh, early Buddhist scripture. For example, in the Pali, Pali precept or Vinaya text, uh, one part of Pali Vinaya text is Buddha's bi uh, biography. And uh, at that in that part of Vinaya, uh, it is said, uh, after Shakyamuni attained awakening, uh, he kind of enjoyed his attaining, but he had hesitation to teach because he said, this uh, truth or reality uh, is too deep and subtle, even if he start to talk about what he discovered, no one could understand. So he thought it might be better to just you know, keep sitting by himself and enter nirvana. You know, this is a kind of famous uh, part of Buddha's biography. But at that time, uh, the god, uh, in this case, uh, what is his name? Brahman. Uh, where is it? So, you know, Buddha's hesitation from the heaven. And uh, according to the English trans translation of that Vinaya text, uh, Brahman said, to himself. Uh, let me read from the beginning. <clears throat> In such wise as the Lord 
Lord referred to Shakyamuni, Lord pondered, his mind inclined to little, little effort and not to teach Dhamma. Then it occurred to Brahma, Brahma Sahampati, this is the name of Brahma, knowing with his mind the reasoning in the Lord's or Shakyamuni's mind that he has uh, he is hesitating to start to teach. Then uh, Brahman said, Alas, the world is lost. The world is lost. Alas, the world is destroyed. Uh, inasmuch as the mind of the truth finder, that is Tathagata, the perfected one, the free awakened one, inclines to little effort and not to teach Dhamma. So he was very sad to observe, you know, Shakyamuni has hesitation to teach. Then, then as a strong man, then as a strong man might stretch for his, might stretch forth his uh, bent arm stretch his uh, stretch forth his bent arm or might bend back his out uh, stretched arm so like this even so did brahma sahampati vanishing from the brahma world brahma world the highest heaven uh, become manifest before the lord so, uh, you know, this referred to uh, immediately, without any uh, delay. Brahman, when uh, he saw that Shakyamuni has a hesitation to teach, he, he immediately appeared to this world in front of Shakyamuni. So this expression means immediately without no uh, uh, interruption. So when Dogen used this expression, <coughs> uh, this means life and death, uh, and total function is like uh, you know, no interruption. Life and death has no interruption, and a total function of this person's life and other people's life have no separation and interruption. It's really immediate, even though they are not one and they are not two, they are not identical, they are not different, still somehow it happens right away. Immedi really immediately. And uh, another e expression, uh, like a person asleep in the night searching with his hand behind his back for the pillow. As I said, this came from a koan story. Uh, this is a discussion, conversation between Dogo, the same person, and his Dharma brother, Ungan. Ungang asked about the Bodhisattva of 
great compassion. And one uh, form of Avalokiteshvara has thousand hands and thousand eyes. Thousand hands means uh, Avalokiteshvara's or Kannon's uh, activity, actions to help others. And within each action, uh, we need uh, wisdom. So I refer to wisdom. So activity and wisdom should be really together always. And Ungan's question was, what this Bodhisattva of compassion is doing using such so many hands and eyes? Then uh, Dogo said, it, it, is, it is like, it is like means what uh, Avalokiteshvara is doing is like uh, a person sleeping in the night, in a very dark night. Uh, sometimes when during sleeping, pillows move, or we move and we lo lose pillow, and that is not comfortable. So somehow, without awakening, even though the person is still sleeping, somehow, uh, uh, even it's behind our body, still somehow our arm reach the pillow and return, restore underneath our head. We do this in the complete darkness. And our mind is not working because the person is sleeping. So this expression, uh, you know, a person sleeping in the dark night, uh, groping for the pillow, means uh, activity without discrimination or separation between subject and object. So, you know, this uh, lighting, this fascicle of uh, Zenki, total function, and uh, another fascicle, Kannon, or Avalokiteshvara in Shobogenzo, are closely related. So, if you are interested in, please uh, read and study Shobogenzo Kannon also. It's really interesting writing. And uh, these manifestations, I'm sorry, these manifest themselves. This means each and every beings as a total function manifest themselves with limitlessly abundant uh, divine power and radiant light. Divine power is a translation of Jinzu. Jinzu or Jinzu. And uh, radiant light is Komyo. And it says in India, or in Indian Buddhism, it says uh, when we practice meditation for certain period of time, we can attain uh, six kind of this Shin Oajin means divine. And this two means uh, supernatural uh, power. 
So divine power, or sometimes translated as supernatural power. In India, people thought by, through practice meditation, we can attain six kinds of supernatural powers, such as you know, we can see everything, and we can go everywhere, and uh, we can see the past and future that kind of things. But in China, especially Chinese Zen people, don't like that idea that we can attain such supernatural power. So uh, in Zen tradition, a famous saying of, about this Jinzu, or supernatural power, or divine power, is uh, by Raymond Pan. I think I talked. Uh, during this Genzo before, <clears throat> he said, uh, you know, divine power is like uh, collecting firewood and carrying water. You know, in, in order to live uh, in the ancient time, we need water, of course, and we don't have, you know, you know city water. So we have to go down to the river and uh, uh, carry the water to our house, or we have to collect the firewood. So this is day-to-day, uh, -day, nothing special thing we have to do to this kind of work, ordinary work, day after day. And Raymond Pan said, our or his, uh, divine power is, you know, carrying water and collecting firewood. That means everything we do in our daily lives, nothing special, is this divine power. And uh, Dogen, again, wrote one fascicle of Shobo Genzo entitled Jinzu. So please, if you are interested in, please read that and also komyo is the same. Komyo, so in the case of Jinzu, this is the power of, trans, uh, of total function. And komyo, ko is light. And myo literally means brightness. But komyo is used as a compound. And I translate this as radiant light. So Jinzu and Komyo, I think, means the uh, power, the power and beauty of this uh, total function. And Dogen also wrote a first group of Shobo Genzo entitled Komyo. So uh, you know, those uh, fascicles are all interconnected. You know, his uh, collection of Shobo Genzo is uh, kind of a similar with this, you know, uh, the network of interdependent origination. You know, all of 95 fascicles are interconnected. So it's kind of important to read uh, these 95 fascicles as one writing. But it's pretty long, big volume, and each one is so difficult. So we have to read and study one by one. That is what we are doing during Genzoe. 
but when we find something interesting, he, he might be same, the same thing in different uh, fascicles. And, you know, to go and read, go and read and study that fascicles, that is the way we see the connection of uh, what he's saying in different fascicles. Then we can see, you know, totality of his uh, teaching and image. That is very uh, good way of studying Shobo Genzo. So I think this Jinzu and Komyo is the power of total function and beauty of total function. So these manifest themselves with limitlessly abundant divine power or Jinzu and radiant light. So this Jinzu, as Lehman Pan said, this is not some kind of uh, mysterious, magical, supernatural power, but this is what we experience every day and we do every day. That is the power of uh, this uh, total function. And at the very moment of manifestation, because it is totally functioned by manifestation, we view and understand that there is no manifestation prior to the manifestation. <laughs> this, I think, also means, you know, in the uh, structure of time, uh, present, past, and the future. You know, as I, as Dogen wrote, you know, at this present moment, it's a state in the Dharma position of firewood, and in the past it was tree, and in the future it will be uh, ash. And each Dharma position, that means each moment, each present moment, has total function. So when uh, that, that thing before becoming firewood, it was a tree, and tree in the uh, Dharma position of the tree, it has also total function. And uh, in the Dharma position of present as a firewood, it has total function. And when it became ash, that means when we are dead, it also has total function. But as he said, you know, he said, or I said, I forget. <laughs> but uh, past has already gone, and the future has not yet come. So there's no such total function of the past, and there's no such total function in the future. Actual total function is only this moment, this present moment, right? Uh, however, <laughs> he always repeat this word, however. So he see always uh, the uh, reality or things from different perspective. Uh, however, prior to this manifestation, previous manifestation of total function was there. 
that means when uh, at this moment when that thing was three, there was a total function of three. And now uh, total function of firewood is there. And then total function of ash is there. And yet, we can say and yet again, you know, past has already gone, future has not yet come. So the uh, before and after is cut off. The other total function is only this moment, in this case, firewood. So we have to always see from different uh, angle. Then one angle, from one angle, uh, another insight is negated. But from another angle, this was negated. By seeing in this way, we start to see the reality beyond thinking or beyond language or beyond uh, concept or just totally letting go of thought and just leave it. Although, again although, the previous manifestation of total function was there, it does not hinder the present manifestation of total function. Uh, therefore, this is the final sentence, therefore such views and understandings vigorously manifest one after another. So there are many different views, understanding, opinions, observation are possible and they are all fictitious. And yet, without uh, those express, fictitious expressions, our thinking or understanding, there's no way for us human beings to explain and share the insight with other people. That is why, you know, Nagar, Nagarjuna wrote such as, you know, kind of a difficult writings. And Adogain is writing this kind of strange uh, writings and we have to you know sit you know so many times and letting go that is to uh, how can I say to live based on the reality beyond thinking and yet we need to uh, live without with using thinking how can this kind of a uh, opposite or contradict, contradicted reality, both are reality uh, into one, instead of just uh, grasping this side or that side. That is really a koan for all of us, I think. Well, it's already 11.45. Any question, please? This koan that you say that this is what we have to think about and solve, mm -hmm. if we understand impermanence, emptiness, mm -hmm. and non-self, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, isn't that the way to bring all of this into our actions every day? I think so. Yeah, yes. If we, if we view everything with those things in mind, mm -hmm. 
it's words, it's thoughts, mm -hmm. but uh, it's all we have. Right. But, uh, we can use it to diffuse discrimination. I think so. That is koan. That is a function of koan. And sometimes our koan is so kind of a, how can I simple. You know, when we say impermanence, uh, you know, there is opposite side that is permanence, and uh, you know this concept of impermanence uh, is possible only because the concept of permanence. Impermanence, the word impermanence is negation of permanence. So if we don't have the concept of permanence, there's no such concept impermanence. So as a concept was, permanent is first, and impermanence is second. This is not only in English. In Chinese and Japanese, permanence is jo, and impermanence is mujo. Means no permanence. So somehow, before we see impermanence, we need permanence, the concept of permanence. And uh, impermanence is a negation of this idea or thinking. But often, impermanence becomes another concept. And permanence is wrong, impermanence is right. If we think in that way, impermanence becomes permanent. Be become a right, right. So, right. So, we continue to be free from even the concept of impermanence. That is a difficult thing. Please. Mm -hmm. and manifestation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would understand liberation to be this, the empty quality of all things. Yeah, and nothing fixed. Mm -hmm. But also as the, the exercise or expression of the total function. Mm -hmm. so it would also be like compassion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we're talking mm -hmm. about both sides. Mm -hmm. And I just find it interesting also tying into what you said that this was taught to lay people. Mm -hmm. So this was a teaching so that it could be incorporated in their life and realize that what they were doing was also part of it. I think so. So it's not simply a philosophical discussion, but it's a practical advice about life, about our own life and death, I think. Please. Where does, well, how does Dogen discuss consciousness or awareness? I mean, is he equating? So the total functioning, whether we understand total functioning or aware of its existence, it's manifested regardless of our understanding of it. So does he, I'm not sure if these two ideas go together, but does Dogen discuss, so 
this is there's no attributes. This unmanifest is what gives rise to everything. This, does he ever talk about consciousness in relation to or like the, our ability to be self-aware means that I can reference things. I'm not you. I'm not this pillar, right? So whenever there's a reference, that's a self. There's a self that's trying to place itself. Right? Mm -hmm. So does he discuss at all that sort of uh, about the consciousness? Yeah, about consciousness, the ability for us to be self-aware, um, mm. like sitting zazen. How? Yeah, just like through sitting zazen, what becomes manifest or unmanifest? Uh, as far as I remember. He never talked about that kind of psychological aspect of a Zazen. But he said Zazen is just sitting. And this just sitting, within this just sitting, you know, total function manifest, and all beings within this entire universe become enlightenment. So he, you know, even when uh, he wrote Fukan Zazengi, you know, in our Zazen, uh, three basic points. One is our posture, second is our breathing, and third is about our mind. But only thing he wrote about our mind in Zazen is think of not thinking. How do you think of not thinking, beyond thinking? That's all. This is his description of uh, our consciousness or our mind or psychology in our Zazen. So he didn't say, he almost didn't say anything, any kind of a uh, technique, meditation technique about how to pacify our mind. But even he, he says, within our Zazen, you know, uh, reality manifests itself. So it's not a matter of I see the reality when my mind becomes calm and peaceful. That is the kind of basic idea of Buddhist meditation. You know, our mind is usually like a, a have a lot of waves. And because of the waves caused by the wind of ignorance, we cannot see or we cannot reflect things as they are. It becomes distorted. So uh, by sitting uh, calmly, uh, we can pacify our mind, and the surface of our mind becomes like a mirror. Then everything is reflected uh, as they are everything reflects as it is. That is a kind of a uh, goal of meditation practice in common Buddhist idea or teaching. But uh, in Shobo Genzo Kai In Zanmai, Kai In Zanmai, Zanmai is Samadhi, 
and chi is ocean, and in is uh, what is in seal, ocean seal samadhi. This is one of the very famous name about samadhi, uh, especially in uh, Abhatansaka Sutra or Kegon Kyo. And this Kainzama is exactly as I said, you know, when because of the way uh, wind of ignorance, our surface of our mind be, uh, has many waves. Therefore, uh, we cannot see things as they are. But when uh, the wind ceased and the surface of uh, water become uh, peaceful, then everything uh, reflects as they are. That is what this uh, seal means. Seal, you know, when we, seal is like a stamp. So ocean seal of samadhi? Yeah. Ocean seal samadhi. Seal is like a sp stamp. That means uh, we put a stamp on something, exactly the same thing, this side and this side is reflected. That, that is what uh, ocean seal means. So when our mind is like a mirror, then everything uh, reflected exactly as they are. That is a common idea of kain zamai, and that is, in a sense, a goal of our meditation practice. But in Shobogenzo kain zamai, he said very different thing. He's always. Uh, he said in the very beginning of Shobogenzo kain zamai, he said when we move on the surface of the ocean. Our feet is on the bottom of the ocean. That means, you know, waves are only the surface. In the surface, in the surface, there are waves. But in the bottom, I don't know how how deep the waves can be. But it's n never more than ten feet, ten feet or so. Even no matter, even in a stormy, uh, you know, weather. Uh, Below that uh, surface, the water is always peaceful. So, uh, what he's saying is, even though our mind is moving, you know, our life is much deeper than our psychology. So that means don't mind about movement of our mind. That is what means that, that let thoughts come up, uh, come up and let them go away. But we settle down on the bottom of the ocean. So in our zazen, you know, we don't try to uh, stop thinking or make stop discrimination or stop. You know, we just let them come up and let them go away. We don't grasp or fight against them, but uh, we sit down on the bottom of the ocean, and uh, in the surface it is still movement. And Dogen said that is not a matter, that is not important. And in the case of Dogen, you know, <coughs> these waves is not caused by the wave of ignorance, but 
you know, in the very end of Genjo Koan, he said this wind nature is Buddha nature. Our uh, wind of uh, Buddha's family. So this wind is not something negative. That means the waves are also not negative in the case of Dogen. This is very kind of a, a radical difference between a common teaching in Buddhism and Dogen's, especially about his Zazen practice. Our Zazen practice, the goal or purpose of our Zazen practice is not stop the wind of ignorance, but uh, we sit down on the bottom of the ocean. We don't try to control the surface. The surface is always moving anyway, but sometimes it's peaceful, sometimes it's windy, or sometimes it's uh, stormy. <coughs> but it's depending upon the uh, causes and conditions. And when we keep sitting, sometimes, as I said about my experience in during session, first few days, our mind is busy, but uh, gradually we become tired of thinking, and naturally it become calm down. So I think in his uh, zazen practice, it's it's not a kind of a efficient style of practice. We cannot we we don't uh, how can I say. We cannot stop thinking, or we don't stop thinking by using some technique. But we let them move freely and naturally, and wait until it comes down of itself. So it takes time. And you know, there's no improvement. You know, each moment, each, each period of zazen, we have to struggle with, you know, the movement of our mind, and yet try to, you know, calm down by doing nothing. It's very kind of an inefficient way. <laughs> that means uh, it's like, a, you know, fen picking weed one by one, with, instead of, you know, applying chemical, <laughs> what we <they> call, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. It <laughs> also um, seems like he's, that gets back to his point about practice is realization, you know, practice verification. Yeah. Because we're never not at the bottom of the ocean. Right. We're never, our fear yeah, is not on the bottom. Yeah, we are already there. But we are still within Sansara. Sansara is still there, and yet Nirvana is already there. So his uh, teaching and practice is very kind of dynamic. And yet, there's no end. There's no graduation. You know, we are already enlightened in the very beginning, but we are deluded until the end. So our practice is really endless. And within each moment of practice, you know, our goal is already there. This kind of very strange structure. There's no, uh, you know, 
how can I say, starting point and goal, and getting better. There's no such stages or steps, but each more because each moment is only real moment. You know, even if we can attain Buddhahood in the future, but future has not yet come. It's not real thing. So we have to deal with what we are experiencing right now. That is only real thing. So Dogen's teaching is really uh, kind of unique, even within the many different tradition of Buddhism. Thank you. Well, it's already twelve. Please. Mm-hmm. Second word is seal. Pardon? Seal? Seal. Oh. S-E-A-L. Same as stamp. Seal. Okay. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, from this afternoon, I start to talk on ski. Uh, I can start. <laughs> I'm not sure I can finish or not. Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.